Hi, this is Dan. In a moment, I'm going to share a message about what it looks like from a practical perspective to live in the Spirit. If you're not connected with me on social media, here's some ways that you can do that. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Revival Now Dan Steep. Please subscribe and like our channel on YouTube and follow and like us on Facebook so you can get our notifications. And also you can go to our website at RevivalNow.com to follow us and learn how God is using us to reach a million souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you enjoy this episode. It's one of my favorites. Remember, God's not mad. He loves you, and so do I. Well, I'm pretty excited about sharing this message with you today. In fact, um, people like my friend Bishop Moses over in Kenya will, will recognize some of this message because I, I, kept, I really wanted to, to preach it while I was in Africa in its entirety, but I, I was always pressed for time. Uh, you know, when you're preaching through an interpreter, it, it, it doubles the amount of time that you have. Uh, to get the message out, and so um, I really wanted to spend a little bit of time with this verse, and so I'm going to take the opportunity to do that together with you today. I titled the message, Life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit. And the primary scripture that I want to springboard off of with you today is from Romans chapter 14, verse 17. That's Romans chapter 14, verse 17. If any of our tech-savvy followers could put that in the comments section, that'd be great. In fact, I'm looking for somebody to actually copy and paste that scripture, not just the address, into the comments. So do that if you'd be willing to do so. Romans 14, 17 the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom, which can be evidenced as we experience and recognize righteousness, peace, and joy, that kingdom is in the Holy Spirit. In fact, here's what I'd like to do. We're going to talk about righteousness, peace, and joy. I want you to think about this as, as a sandwich. The kingdom is a piece of the bread. In the spirit, I guess I'm going to do a sandwich. I should do it this way, shouldn't I? The kingdom is a piece of the bread. In the spirit is the other piece of bread. And the contents in between our righteousness, peace, and joy. 
So if you would allow me to today, I, I would like to, first of all, deal with the contents in this kingdom sandwich. The scripture says the kingdom is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's not food and drink. The kingdom does not consist of anything of this world. Not food, not drink, not outward religion. Not fancy lights and smoke rising from the stage. The kingdom has nothing to do with the things of this earth. But it is rather righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Never forget that part. Never forget the phrase, in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Spirit. And if you try to talk about righteousness peace, and joy, apart from the Holy Spirit, you just end up with more religion. So we're not talking about anything that has its origin in this, in this earth. Not human righteousness, or human peace, or human joy. Because you know what you get if you, when you have human righteousness? You get rules and regulation and no spirit. Human peace, you know what you get? Conflict avoidance, but no real peace. Human joy, you know what you get? You get fake it till you make it, but no actual joy produced from an inward disposition influenced by the very Spirit of God in your life. So let's talk about righteousness for a moment. Because when we talk about righteousness, peace, and joy, what, what I see more than anything in Christian circles, hey mom, thanks for joining us from Tennessee. What I see mostly in Christian circles when we think about righteousness is really trying to earn salvation. We know from Scripture that salvation is a free gift of grace from God, paid for by God, accessed only through faith. What is righteousness? Righteousness is that state which makes a person acceptable to God. Amen, Pastor Alex. Righteousness is that state which makes a person acceptable to God. If we stop right there for a moment, we find, I find people all the time trying to earn their righteousness, trying to be righteous, rather than allowing God to do a righteous work within them. You see, God's righteousness is what God does in fulfillment of the terms of the covenant that God established 
with his chosen people. Going all the way back to Abraham and coming all the way down to you and I today. Because God had chosen Israel, the nation Israel had a covenantal responsibility of fulfilling the covenant that God had created with them. It was their righteousness or their righteous responsibility. That was what was their end of the deal. So the law was given as an act of divine mercy to provide Israel with, a, with guidelines for keeping the nation's own portion of the covenant. A covenant is always a two-sided agreement. It, the covenants are from both directions. Each side brings something to the covenant. Now, God expected Israel to, to keep the law, not to earn their merit or earn their salvation, but simply to maintain the status that God had already given to the nation. So righteousness is about a covenantal relationship. Being in right relationship, first and foremost with God, then with everything and everyone around us as a result. If your relationship with Jesus Christ does not make a tangible difference in your relationships with your fellow man, something's wrong. In fact, I would maintain to you that our horizontal relationships mirror our vertical relationship and vice versa. The kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about kingdom peace. Not worldly peace, not human peace. You see, when, when most of us hear the word peace, we usually associate that to mean an absence of conflict, an absence of war or strife. Amen? Make sure when you're watching that you say hello to us and let us know where you're watching from. We want to celebrate with you. Now, the Hebrew uh, meaning of the word peace has a completely different understanding than any kind of worldly peace or human peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It means completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, and harmony. You talk about a pregnant word, shalom, is pregnant with beautiful, profound meaning. And the verb form of peace literally means to make whole or complete. Now, you can do your entire life or live your entire life 
avoiding conflict at every turn, thinking that you're living in peace, but never have a sense of wholeness or completeness in your life. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, it's a common phrase, right, from Scripture to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But when you're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, you're not just praying about an absence of war, although that's part of it, but you're actually praying that Jerusalem, and by extension all of Israel, is complete and whole. And that goes far beyond our idea of peace. Jesus, in the Hebrew, Yeshua, is called Sar Shalom, which means Prince of Peace. And that perfectly describes the ministry and the personality of our Messiah, which by extension is our ministry. In other words, Shalom is a mighty blessing, one in which we're able to abide in, in the kingdom, and extend to our world. So our agenda is to be in peace, not at peace in the worldly sense of the word, but to be in peace with everyone within our righteousness, within our covenantal relationship and responsibility. Being in peace with everyone within our righteousness, that means being in peace with everyone whom God placed there. That's why Jesus said in Luke 10, in verses 5 and 6, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. If not, it will return to you. Our agenda is to be in peace, to operate in peace with everyone within our righteousness, which is those which are those who God has placed there. And your man of peace, the person that God has placed within your life, will be receptive to your peace. The kingdom of God is not food or drink. It's not anything of this world and it's not anything that you can attain through the, the, the strategies or the pursuit of this world. It is rather righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. In the Holy Ghost is the means through which you will move and operate in righteousness, in peace, and enjoy. So let's talk about joy. Not worldly joy. Amen, Pastor Donna. Not human joy, but a joy that has its source in the Spirit.
The Hebrew language, language has several different words for joy. They, they each kind of have their own different meanings, and I won't get into all of that, but really it, it's just talking about a gladness and an exaltation that comes forth from us. It is an outpouring or an, an overflowing of what cannot be contained within. That's kingdom joy. An outflowing or an overflowing of what cannot be contained within. It is an inner disposition that is not predicated upon or dependent upon any external condition or situation or circumstances around me. Joy, kingdom joy in the spirit is a state of being. I like to call joy celebrating the victory of the king. First in me and then around me. It is really important to me that you don't leave this teaching in pursuit of righteousness, peace, and joy. They are a fruit. Righteousness, peace, and joy will be a product of you and I living in the Spirit. So remember, in this kingdom sandwich that we talked about, I wanted to deal with the, the inner contents of the sandwich first, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. But if you lose this, if you lose that these are kingdom dynamics that are brought about in the Holy Spirit, then you'll miss everything. You'll just you'll you'll leave here trying to be a religious person and trying to pursue those things in your own means and your own strength. Remember. The kingdom, not food or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy, is in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom. Type that in the comments. The kingdom is in the Spirit. It's a race to see who's first. My money's on Pastor Donna, but ah, <laughs> amen. The kingdom is in the spirit. So let's talk about the kingdom for a moment. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twelve, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I've heard that scripture all of my Christian life. I've quoted it. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. 
Amen, Mom. The kingdom is in the spirit. Hey, Chuck. The kingdom is in the spirit, brother. God bless you and all my oaky friends. Amen. So the kingdom is in the spirit. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, if, if you share a personality like mine, then you like uh, scriptures that talk about violence and taking it by force. And I confess to you that I spent a lot of time in, in my Christian journey uh, trying to attain things in the kingdom by my own physical, natural means, by my intellect, by my wisdom, by my personality, my charisma, whatever it might be, I, I would try to, I, I would just by sheer force of will, just convincing people of their need for Jesus, convincing people of his love for them, convincing people that you'd be a fool not to accept the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and everything that it, is, that it offers to you. But I never really advanced in the kingdom. I advanced in the church. I built a congregation. I advanced in a denomination. I received pats on the back and words of affirmation about the job that I was doing. I was advancing in the church, but I was not advancing in the kingdom because the kingdom of God is in the spirit. And you'll never advance in the kingdom, through the kingdom, or even advance the kingdom in the world around you if you try to do it in the flesh. Remember, the kingdom of God is not food and drink. It does not have in its, of its origin anything in this earth. It is in the spirit. And this kingdom is to be violently pressed into and taken by force. I want to see what Finnis Dake had to say in his notes about, about this scripture. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, that's Matthew eleven twelve. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. The idea here is that before John, the kingdom could only be viewed in the light of prophecy. But now that the kingdom was preached, men were pressing into it with ardor, resembling violence or desperation. They appeared as if they would seize it by force. It expresses the earnestness that men must have in getting rid of sin, all satanic powers, the world, and in standing true when relatives oppose them. I like that. Up until, the, up until John the Baptist, the kingdom could only be viewed in light of prophecy. But now that the kingdom was being preached, men were pressing into it with ardor, resembling violence or desperation. It expresses the earnestness that men must have in advancing 
in the kingdom. Amen. The kingdom is in the spirit. It doesn't have anything to do with things of this earth. So how, how do you violently press into the kingdom? How do you advance earnestly in the kingdom? Now, remember, the kingdom is in the spirit. It's not anything of this world. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So that means that if I'm going to advance in the kingdom, I have to do so in the Spirit. Now, how do you, how do you advance in the Spirit? By faith. The same way you ever advance in the kingdom. It's always by faith. You couldn't get saved without faith. By grace, you're saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The only way to advance in the kingdom is to advance through faith. I remember the first time that I shared the gospel with someone. I was a new Christian. I was... I was witnessing to my apartment manager, a Lutheran lady... You know, we're only called to be witnesses. We're not called to save anyone. I've been in ministry for more years than I care to count, and I've never saved anyone. I've only witnessed. And God saved them. So I was witnessing to this lady. I was sharing with her the, the, the plan of salvation sharing the gospel with her. I don't think I did a really great job in particular. She didn't accept Jesus Christ at that moment. Hopefully she did at some point. Hopefully I sowed some seeds, but here's what I know. I was obedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And I was scared, and I felt ill-equipped and intimidated but I did something. By faith, I shared the gospel with her. And when I left there, I would have liked for her to, to pray with me and receive Jesus Christ as her Savior, but I still left that meeting with her encouraged. You know why? Because I obeyed God. By faith, I did what he was asking me to do. You know what happened in that moment? I just violently advanced in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is in the spirit. 
And the only way to advance in the kingdom is through the Spirit. And you can only do that in faith. I remember the first time that, um, you know, after, well, you know, I remember when I was wrestling with God about answering the call to ministry. My struggle was a lot different than the struggles that I've heard other people share. Because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to be disobedient. I wasn't willfully uh, being stubborn or obstinate. I, I just never... The, the, the concept of me in ministry didn't exist anywhere in my head. The, the best way that I can liken that is you can't use a word if it doesn't exist in your vocabulary. It would be impossible to do that. What I'm trying to tell you is that the concept of me in ministry didn't exist anywhere in my head, in my mind. And so God was speaking to me, and I was having a hard time listening, not because I was trying to run away, not because I, my ears were closed to him. It was for a couple of reasons. One, I just had no clue. I was clueless. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where, like, you know, if you're on a team, um, maybe it's, it's in the office, maybe it's the workplace, maybe you're like Chuck and you're, you know, at the firehouse or whatever, and you're on a team, and there's one person on the team that is creating a problem for everyone. So you call some kind of a team meeting together, and then in that team meeting, you don't address the one person that has the issue. You talk to the whole group, you talk to the whole team about this problem that we're having with some people. And you know what ends up happening? When you leave that meeting, the one person that you really wanted to address leaves that meeting thinking, gosh, I wonder who has that problem on the team. And then the rest of the team, they all walk out of there thinking, gosh, I wonder if, if I've been doing that. And it, it, doesn't even, it doesn't even fix the issue. That's kind of like it was for me. God was speaking to me, but I, I guess I just assumed it was for everyone else and not for me. And nobody could, nobody could help me. The answer was not found in this world. I'd go for walks with God, and I'd tell him, God, I'll do anything that you want me to do if you just tell me what it is. But I just I couldn't crack the code. And you'll never crack the code except through faith. I remember after I had answered the call to ministry and my pastor he gave me a, a, a responsibility. He, he had me do the welcome at the beginning of church on a Sunday morning. And I got up to do the welcome, and I cried through the entire thing. It was embarrassing, but I couldn't control it. What was happening? I was advancing in the kingdom by faith. Not by my intellect. I've never been afraid to speak publicly 
in front of people in my life. Not before Jesus, not after Jesus, but I couldn't stand in front of God's people without crying. Because I wasn't going to advance in the kingdom through my talent, through my persuasive ability, or anything else. It was going to be in the Spirit. I remember the first time that I prayed publicly out loud. I, when I got saved, I started going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And on Wednesday night, they had this thing called Bible study. And I would show up for that. And at, we'd have worship for a while, praise and worship. And then the pastor would take prayer requests. And at the end of the prayer request, he would say, Now the person who's led of the Holy Spirit, lead us in prayer. And after he said that, there might be a pause, but at some point, someone would lead out in prayer, and, and we would have our prayer time, and that was that. Well, one Wednesday night, I show up for church, we have praise and worship, the pastor takes prayer requests, and then he says, now the person led by the Holy Spirit to pray, lead us in prayer, and no one prayed. It was silence. And I remember standing there thinking, this is weird. I wonder why nobody's praying. Then all of a sudden, I begin to feel hot. I begin to sweat. I, I began to feel like the hairs on my head standing up. I was just uncomfortable. And at a certain point, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm the one that's supposed to pray. So I prayed. And I cried through the entire thing. And it was kind of embarrassing. But you know what? When I was done, I felt so good. Because I knew that God was smiling upon me. I didn't understand it at the time, but I was violently advancing in the kingdom of God, in the Spirit, by faith. You see, every time you obey God, you do so by faith. Every time you advance violently, you press into the kingdom, you do so by faith. I remember the first time that I, I jumped around and danced in church. Now, I come from a background where, like, in, in my, the tradition that I was raised in, you don't do that. Nobody does that. But here I was, leading worship in church on a Sunday morning, and I just, it just rose up within me, and I just had to dance. I'm sitting here thinking about some of you, you all who are listening, and how funny that you must imagine that that looked like. And it probably looked like all of that and then more. But you know, to the best of my ability, I've, I've always been committed to saying yes to God. To never knowingly saying no to Him. To never knowingly stepping outside of His will. I remember my dad when I was just a new Christian and he was meeting together with me um, j just to you know, have Bible study and, and get me started in the Lord. We call that discipleship 
I don't know that we had a name for it so much back then, but that's what was happening. And he said to me one day, he said, Danny, whatever you do, don't quench the Spirit. And I didn't really understand fully what that meant, but I said, okay, and I've done my best to not quench the Spirit. So there I was, dancing in church. Brenda's here in the studio. She probably remembers. Nobody did that. People do it now, but somebody had to do it first. And all I know is that, you know, I counted the cost and I was worried about what people would think and all that stuff, but I cared more about what God thought. I cared more about pleasing my Heavenly Father. And so I danced for Him. Like a child dancing before its parents. You see what I'm saying? I was advancing in the kingdom by faith. The kingdom is in the spirit. And you advance in the things of the spirit by faith. And faith alone. I could tell you stories about the first time that I, uh, the, the God gave me a song. A spontaneous song of the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? Not, not a copywritten song. Not something from the radio. It was a song from the Lord that He filled me with during worship one day. And I remember the first time that I allowed that to come out of myself and I sang a spontaneous song of the Lord in a worship service. I think it was a beautiful thing. I know in my spirit it felt beautiful because I was giving voice to what God had placed within me. But man, don't think that I didn't wonder and worry about what people would say and think. But I cared more about advancing in the kingdom by faith than I cared about what any other person thought. I could tell you stories about the first time that I, I even delivered a, a, a song, a prophetic song in tongues, or the first time that I prophesied. Well, that I, and I knew I was prophesying, because I, people prophesy uh, all the time, and they don't even realize that that's what's happening. But I'm talking about standing up publicly prophesying. I, I can tell you stories about being absolutely on the spot with 20 people in front of me, all waiting to receive prophetic ministry, and me not having a word to say to them. And there were only two things that comforted me in those mo that moment. One, a legitimate office holder of a prophet had placed me in that position. And so I thought to myself, well... She's a prophet, so, you know, I'm sure she knows more than I do, and she, she, she believes I can do this, so I guess I can. And the other thing is I, I know that, that God has called us to prophesy, and I know that he's placed that within us. And so I just decided, you know, either God is God or he's not, and we're about to find out. And for some of you that, that you know, maybe don't flow in the prophetic this is going to sound really weird, and I'm going to tell you that truthfully, 
in the moment, it even felt irresponsible to me. But I determined that the longer that I stood there without speaking, the harder it was going to get to speak. The screws were just going to tighten. So I just decided, you know what, I've, I've stood in silence as long as I'm going to. And I opened my mouth by faith. You understand what faith means? It means you don't know what's going to happen next. When you take a step of faith, it means you literally don't know if there's going to be a step to step on when you take that step. All faith is blind faith. You do it without knowing the outcome. When we started this Revival Now ministry a year ago, we had no idea. We did not know the outcome, and I still don't know the outcome. But I know this, over 5,000 people have come into the kingdom of God through this ministry because we stepped in faith, not knowing where it would lead, not knowing if there would be solid ground for that step to land on. So I opened my mouth by faith, and I began to prophesy. Now, honestly, you know, full disclosure, it didn't feel like prophecy to me. But I just began to speak, and then I, I looked at the people that I was speaking to, and I saw the tears rolling down their face, and I realized that something was going on here besides just me talking. I was prophesying by faith. And then I began to continue to do it person after person, and I hit my stride, and I was prophesying according to the level of faith within me. What am I trying to tell you? The kingdom is in the spirit, and the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force, but it's not earthly physical force. It's done in the Spirit by faith. That is the recipe, if you will. And I'm not really into formulas and recipes and all that stuff. You can read a book. You can go to a seminar. You, you, you can, you can do, listen to sermon after sermon. But if you want to grow, you've got to step in faith. If you want to be a soul winner, you have to start witnessing to people. Even if they don't get saved right away. If you, want to, if you believe that God has given you a ministry of healing, even if you're not sure, but you have a desire in your heart to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, guess what you have to do? You've got to lay hands on the sick. You've got to command healing. By faith. It's the only way you advance in the kingdom. That's how you advance violently. Not because you're connected with the right person, but because you're connected with God by faith and you're committed to advancing in his kingdom by faith. Hello, Damara. Thanks for watching us in Wabuye, Kenya. God bless you. 
Amen. If you're picking up what I'm laying down, type an amen, all caps, in the comments. And if you're, uh, if you're listening, if you're watching, and, and you haven't done so yet, say hello to us and let us know where you're watching from. Amen. <clears throat> Time flies when you're having fun. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, right, he went down to the Jordan, he was baptized by John, and... When he was baptized, the scripture says in Luke chapter 3, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't done anything yet in his ministry. And his father was pleased. He hadn't healed anyone. He hadn't preached. He hadn't done any miracles. The crowds were not coming to him yet. And his father in heaven was pleased. Why? Because he obeyed him. And by faith, he was baptized. Now in the very next chapter, in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. So he had an experience with the Holy Ghost in his baptism at the Jordan. And it says that he, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. And then it says in the next part of that same verse, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I know a lot of people that would say, if, if, if I'm in the wilderness, the devil is messing with me. He, he's, you know, he's working his angles. The devil's giving me a hard time. He's opposing me. This is spiritual warfare. But this says that Jesus came from the Jordan, full of the Spirit, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for God to accomplish his further purposes in his life. And he went through the, the 40 days of fasting. He went through the wilderness temptation from the enemy. Remember, the kingdom is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's not food and drink. That's why Jesus was able to say to Satan, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. So he was baptized in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him. He returned from the Jordan, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And then it says in Luke 4.14, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout the surrounding region. So by faith, he obeyed his heavenly Father. He was baptized. The Holy Ghost descended upon him. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he returned from the wilderness experience, not just filled with the Holy Ghost, not just led by the Holy Spirit, he returned in the power of the Spirit 
to Galilee. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. You grow in the kingdom because the kingdom is in the spirit and you grow in the spirit by faith and you advance in the kingdom violently by faith and you advance the kingdom violently in the world around you by faith. And then in that same chapter, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up in the synagogue and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You see the progression there? By faith and obedience to the Father, he goes to the Jordan, baptized by John. The Spirit of the, God, uh, the, Spirit of the Lord descends upon him. He leads there, leaves there full of the Spirit. And then he is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He goes through the fasting. He goes through the temptation. Right, And then it says he returns from that experience in the wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. I know all kinds of people that say, I want power. But I know very few people who are willing to go through the process by faith that leads you into operating in the power of the Spirit. And then he moves into ministry. In Luke 4, 18 and 19. He's, he's, he's speaking boldly now. I mean, how many people do you know that just stand up and say, hey, in case you didn't know, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's not something you do unless you know. Unless you know that the power of God is in you. He stands up and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. So, this is the process that you go through. You start out as the one that Jesus is ministering to in Luke 4, 18 and 19. He's preaching the gospel to the poor. He's healing the brokenhearted, proclaiming liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, setting at liberty those who are oppressed. You start out that way, and then, and then Jesus comes into your life. By faith, you pray a prayer of faith and you accept Jesus Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior. And then by faith, you begin violently advancing in the kingdom of the Spirit. By faith, growing in faith, growing in the power of the Spirit, growing in your obedience to God until at a certain point you realize, guess what? I now know that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and He's anointed me to do the very same thing for other people that Jesus did for me. The kingdom of God is not a matter of food and drink or anything else of this earth, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's when you come to that place that you experience the righteousness, you experience the peace, and you experience the joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you for the emoji amens and hand claps. God is good. Literally all the time. And it all starts where it started with me back in 1986 when I realized that my life was a wreck, it was meaningless, it was going nowhere. And I wondered if God could make a difference in my life. And I went to my earthly father and told him what was going on in my life. And he led me in a simple prayer of salvation to receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I want to do that for you today. If you're listening, if you're watching this live stream, whether you're watching live or watching the recording, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, do it today. And set in motion the very process that I've been talking about in this live stream. Would you do that with me today? I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation out loud, and I want you to repeat it out loud after me. The Bible says if you confess with your lips or with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would you pray that prayer with me today? Would you do it by faith? Just take a step of faith, just like I did back in 1986. You'll never regret it. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the grave to give me victory over sin and death. I confess my sinfulness to you. I repent of it. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and life and make me a new person in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer out loud together with me, I just want you to type right in the comments, I did. And let me be the first person to welcome you to the family of God. You are my newest brother or sister in Christ. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And when you repeated that prayer out loud after me, you called on the name of the Lord. So by the authority of God's word, I say to you, you are saved. You're born again. And you're on your way to heaven because you have Jesus in your heart. I'd like you to do something for me. Go to our website at revivalnow.com. Right on the front page, there's a red button that says, I just got saved. Click that button. There's some resources there that I've prepared for you to help you get started in your journey with Christ Jesus. There's also a place for you to fill out your contact information. Please take a moment and do that. We want to know who you are, and we want to be able to pray for you by name. Amen. You have my word. Your information will not go on a mailing list. You'll not receive any solicitations or anything like that. We just want to know who you are. We want to pray for you by name, and we want to be able to be a resource.
to you on your journey with Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Well, for everyone else who's following along and watching on the live stream, before we say goodbye, I want to give you an opportunity to sow a financial seed into this ministry. Many of you are already financial partners with us. We wouldn't be where we're at without your prayers and without your partnership, and I thank you for that in advance. We want to share with you the different ways that you can, um, you can give to this ministry and partner together with us. You can go to our website, revivalnow.com forward slash invest now, and that'll actually share, that'll share with you all the different ways that you can um, partner with us financially. If you want to uh, give through your mobile device, you can text RNGIVE to 888-364-4483. That's RNGIVE to 888-364-4483. On Cash App, search for dollar sign RNGIVE. On Cash App, dollar sign RNGIVE. On PayPal, look us up at RNGIVE at RNGIVE. I think PayPal's the, the, the easiest way if you're uh, watching internationally to be able to partner with us financially at RNGIVE on PayPal. And if you want to give the old-fashioned way, just make your check payable to Revival Now, P.O. Box 411, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Revival Now, P.O. Box 411, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. We're excited about the possibility of you partnering together with us to reach a million souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've gone over 4,000 already in this calendar year, and we're going to... I don't even know. My goal was 10,000 on the year. We're already over 4,000, and I believe that uh, we're going to go way, way over that mark. But listen, when you partner together with us financially, every soul that comes into the kingdom of God through this ministry is credited to your account as well. So we take that very seriously. We love and appreciate all of our partners, and we thank you for partnering together with us. Well, let me pray over each and every one of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for everyone watching this live stream and everyone who's watching the recording. Thank you for souls coming into the kingdom. I pray your richest blessing upon each person that prayed that prayer together with me, that you will guide them on the path of faith and lead them into true righteousness, true peace, and true joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all of our partners and everyone watching. You've pulled together a mighty group of people who are serious about seeing your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. So I pray your richest blessing over each person. 
that's watching. Pour your spirit out upon their lives in fresh and powerful ways. I thank you, Father, for abundance and overflow in every area and aspect of their lives. Bless their marriages. Bless their families. Bless their homes. Bless their jobs and their businesses and their ministries. In the name of Jesus. And we'll give you all the glory. For you alone are worthy. And only through you are we here today. So thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, from my wife Shannon, myself, and everyone here at Revival Now, God bless you. We love you. And we look forward to seeing you again. Our next live stream will be Tuesday evening, 7, 7 p.m. New York time. And then we'll be back here next Thursday, 10 a.m. New York time. God bless you. We love you.